Welcome back, scientists in training, 2023. Oh, never have a good month off. We, we had time off of school, and now we're back to school, and now we're back to podcasting. Yes, it definitely it's starting to feel like second year, second semester of a PhD program. It, it really feels sense. like the end of second semester, second mm. year. It really does, yeah. <laughs> and it's week three, as we're recording this, yes. it's week three okay. of the semester, which is not end of the second <laughs> semester, second year yeah. PhD. Yeah, it feels weird. I've been, I missed the last episode because I was presenting my research at a conference, and then we took our winter break, and I just been out of the groove for such a long time it's good to get back into our routine and doing this since it's so just fun to do i guess like let's think about like recent updates oh dallas recently defended her proposal for her master's thesis yeah it was approved i finally made it to that guy so yeah that was very nerve-wracking i will say i was very nervous though it, it was very alleviating too once that was done it was like oh that wasn't so bad. Now I get to do this thing I'm very excited about. So, yay, on to the next steps. It is so, I think one of my favorite parts of graduate school so far that maybe is one of the most underrated parts of graduate school is listening to other graduate students talk about the research they're doing and want to do because it is just, like, so fascinating mm-hmm. to, like, live in a different world for a little bit. I feel like also we often introduce ourselves like kind of you know new semester vibes you usually start off classes with I feel like an introduction who you are who you're working with what what you as researchers primarily it's also what do you research but getting that to dive a little bit deeper into that is always so interesting Mm -hmm. to know where people come from or actually know what your research is because like your first (laughs) semester when people ask you that you're like (laughs) <laughs> just got here. Ask me again in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll get to that. Uh, so yay for our progress entering into 2023. We're in our progress era. Yes. <laughs> We've talked a lot about various facets of our identities as graduate students over the last few episodes and season. And we wanted to continue these conversations about our own personal experiences as LGBTQ plus individuals and allies. Okay, so I'd like to share a bit about my journey about learning about myself and accepting myself. Um, Since I identify as bisexual and queer, um, when I was figuring things out about myself, it really helped me getting like insight into other people's experiences so that I understood that what I was experiencing was, you know, normal and not out of the ordinary. So to start, I use he, him pronouns. And in the fall of 2018, I came out to my family as bisexual. I decided that Thanksgiving break was probably the best time for me to tell everyone. Um, just gotta like make sure my uh, family stay on their toes. Um, but I spice to do. <laughs> you know, I mean, Thanksgiving food is usually pretty bland. So. <laughs> yeah. Had a little so... bit of spice. Yes. <laughs> Even though I, that's when I came out, I had a pretty good understanding that I was not straight for pretty much ever since I could conceptualize what sexuality was and 
middle school band really helped me start to gain that understanding. It's always band class. <laughs> right. And so I unfortunately grew up in a very conservative small town that, you know, naturally would not be very accepting or um, give much of an education on what anything other than straight was. So I had to, when I started to really understand that, you know, I was really attracted to my own gender and other genders, I was motivated to suppress a lot of it out of fear of being ostracized and bullied. Because as soon as I started to express some of those things, I was. So throughout middle school and high school, I really just like kept that down. And that led to a lot of issues with like depression and other related mental health issues that uh, arose from suppressing your identity and who you are. So thankfully, when I got to college, I survived high school and was able to come to a more accepting and educational environment. I was actually able to start processing and thinking about who I was, who I wanted to be, and uh, a bit about these more complicated emotions that I just would not deal with for years. So thankfully I had the space to think inward and understand what I was feeling and begin my journey of self-acceptance. And long story short, it was, I reached a point where I was very accepting of who I was and who um, I wanted to be and then started to want to fully express myself. And the point where I got to where I wanted to actually come out was, uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, my friends and I laugh about it a few times. Uh, when I was in my third year of college, I entered a kind of like an apartment on campus type situation. And as the campus wanted us to do, we signed these roommate agreements, like uh, going into setting ground rules that we would agree on for each other. Like, you know, I will be a good roommate. Yeah. <laughs> signed me. And so getting a bunch of guys in that, trying to fill out this mandatory form, we tried to make it out to be a joke. We made a lot of fun things. Like if there was a conflict, we would solve it in the Blood Dome, which turned out to just be Super Smash Bros. on the Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) Who let you do that? That is a very good question. The RAs knew who we were because we would often ask just like really nonsense questions. Like one of my roommates would ask, like, we were told we can't have string lights. And then my roommate asked, can we have a string with one light on it? <laughs> a college apartment yes. said no string lights. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do they know their population? That's the right flag. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the college aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> like, None of us listened. For legal <laughs> reasons, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> well, how could you look gay yeah. if you didn't have string lights? <laughs> And when we were figuring, like, our roommate agreement out, I was, like, feeling more confident about my identities. And so we were talking about, like, what are the rules for people coming over at night? Like, what do we want to do that? And so we, like, we're like, you know, if you want to bring something over, just do it. Like, we don't care. And then one of the roommates asked, are we all straight? And I'm just like, well... I'm probably not. And then they're like, well, are you gay? And I'm like, not really. (laughs) And so um, I was just like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm bisexual, you know, exuding a lot of confidence in that statement. I mean, it is a very bisexual statement. (laughs) Me committing to one definition. Um, And they were like, oh, okay, cool, cool. And then, you know, they were like, yeah, you know, you do you, you live your best life. This is college. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'll take it. 
And then one day, my friend who uh, I got indoctrinated into the psychology major, uh, he came over. <laughs> and Katie, if you're listening, it's not true. <laughs> it's okay, I'm okay with it. Um, my roommates were watching Scott Pilgrim, and Simon came over, and we were like hanging out. And then there was a scene in Scott Pilgrim where Scott had to like fight all of his crush's exes, and one of them was a girl. And there was a point in the scene where uh, the crush main character was just like, you know, I, I'm bi-curious. And then my roommates turned to me, not realizing Simon was there, and they're like, oh, that's just like you. And then everyone just got really quiet, stared at me, and they're like, was I not supposed to say that? And I'm like, I haven't told anyone other than all of you. And I felt really bad because I never told Devin that I wasn't out. Um, and so I, it's not on him in any way. It was, now it's just a funny story. But, you know, Simon was also very accepting. And then I got to the point where I was just like, so why am I hiding it from everyone anymore? And then three weeks from that point, there was Thanksgiving break. So I'm like, you know what? Here's my opportunity to go and tell everyone. And then I'll just put it on Facebook. Um, so like I was amped up driving home and then I got home and everyone was asleep except for my dog. He was very oh, anticlimactic. And so I told my dog, he was the first person in my family that I came out to. I, I want to go yeah. back to one thing here. When you talk about your friends mm-hmm. and how it was on, like you should have told your friend that you weren't out and things. No, uh, <laughs> I think it's very important that especially if you have a friend that has come out to you that it's not. You're not in the position to go and spread that identity mm. if you don't know where they're at. And so, Alex, don't gaslight yeah. yourself. Like, that, 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 that's like on, it's on your front. Yeah. And I'm glad it turned out well, mm-hmm. but just for everyone listening, like, that's true. I've had a lot of friends that have come out to me, and it's been, I've been in the situation where it's been like, okay, what would you like? What do you want your parents to know? What do our other friends know? And those kinds of things. And so, just for anyone listening, it, it turned out great for Alex. Yeah. And I'm so happy about that. <laughs> yeah. But like, don't go spreading people's <laughs> identities if they're not ready to. Mm, that's a that's a good point. Respecting the process, and I think Emily, you bring up a great point in that. And I'm just so glad it worked very well for you, Alex, in that sense. And now you move on to telling your family a big, yeah. another giant step. And like I grew up in a very very conservative sect of a religion that was went on routine rants about fire and brimstone and the sin of flesh, and so. I knew my parents would accept me, and I knew that what I went through growing up is not representative of a good number of religions and sects within religions, but there was still that like underlying fear of, like, if I say this, am I going to get kicked out, or like is something bad going to happen? Um, and unfortunately, that's a common fear that a lot of other queer folks have um, had an encounter with. But thankfully, uh, when I told my family, they were just like, yeah, you know, just live your life. Thank you for telling us. Um, and that gave the space for other friends and family to feel comfortable uh, telling my family and my parents um, about their identities. So I paved the way for a lot of people with my uh, other types of uh You're just fears. a trend center. Yeah. <laughs> I did it before. It was cool. Uh, but... I, I'm glad it really worked out for me, and I was glad I was able to make the space for other people, um, but it was a very stressful point in my life, and I know that for a lot of people, it does not turn out the way that I have had it turn out. 
And I feel like that last point that you kind of brought up is just the reason that we're covering the topic and the reason that you're going into your journey in this because it's it's something that people like to hear about and know what people's experiences are. So I'm glad that you gave people your perspective on this and I'm sure that will help many people out there. So that's for you, whoever you are, a listener. (laughs) (laughs) And just like having more of these conversations about it uh, with people who aren't in the community but are still deeply involved with the community because our friends and our family and those people are there is like normalizing the conversation because like it's 2023 people. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing that I like really appreciate about a lot of the um, younger generations, I sound so old when I say that, but like there are uh, them young folks. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of them are just existing within their identities and just requiring people to catch up. There's not a lot there's a good number of them that aren't having the classic coming out moments. They just like show up and exist. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate that even the people before me have helped pave the way to create a space where that is a reality, where you don't have to have these classic coming outs. Okay. And, um, to clarify, if you don't know my voice, um, automatically, it's Emily Johnson. <laughs> um, and for duty. And I am also, I also identify as bisexual. Um, my journey is a little bit different. I started dating my now husband when I was 15. So at that time, I also, oh, it's been a long time, guys, okay? <laughs> oh, Dallas, she's <laughs> married. <laughs> married, guys. <laughs> Um, and for me, I also grew up in a very small, um, conservative town, and so there weren't that many people who were out, and if they were out, they identified as either gay or lesbian, and the term bisexual wasn't really a thing, I guess, not something I knew about, because obviously, like Alex, I didn't ever learn about these different terms and what they meant and uh, different identities, um, but also dating my now husband such a long time and being with him for such a long time, it never it wasn't like a big thing for me to come out as much because I wasn't ever going to be ended up dating a woman or being with a woman because I was and and still with David um but so I actually didn't come out to my friends and family until after I was engaged um which would have been in 2021 the spring of 2021 my friends responded with didn't you already tell me this so I (laughs) think they knew Um, my family, on the other hand, was like, oh, really? Um, they were fully supportive. They had no issues with it. Um, their more questions were kind of was like, what about David? And then before, <laughs> before I was able to answer, especially like my mom, she was like, what about David? And then before I could answer, she's like, well, I guess it doesn't really matter because you're already committed to him. I was like, exactly. Thank you, mom. Like, <laughs> that's exactly the point. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so for me, I guess... I kind of view it like I didn't need to come out. I was already with David. I was already committed to David. There was nothing changing in my life necessarily other than it is who I am. And I felt like it wasn't true to be who I am without being out as bisexual because it is who I am. And I do think it is important. And for me also is I am a very outspoken person in most scenarios that if I could kind of like Alex pave a way for if I have any family or friends or other people in my life who were worried to talking to different people that I could kind of be someone who can, I guess, kind of like 
Just break the glass, the right word. Like, let my get my family used to that, yeah. and then other people are more comfortable coming out because my parents. You mentioned you're the oldest on both yes. sides of your family. Right? I'm the so, oldest yeah. kid. I'm the oldest great grandchild, oldest grandchild from pretty much all of my sides. So I have numerous family members, um, multiple friends. Um, my family is very involved in youth organizations as being advisors, and so just. Allowing them, of course, they wouldn't have an issue if someone else came out before me, but I felt like if someone wasn't as outspoken as me and they weren't sure if they were comfortable coming out to my family and friends, that if I could be someone who kind of breaks through and let, let them get used to it, being like, know what to, like, use the right pronouns or use the right identities so they can kind of get used to it, I guess, per se, um, with me, I guess. And so, um, like Alex, I... I'm still religious, but I grew up in more of a strict religious, conservative religious that um, is not as accepting. And so me trying to find a church um, that still feels comfortable in the religious aspect, but also feels comfortable in the aspect that I will not um, be kicked out or shunned on Mm -hmm. for being um, queer is very important to me. And I think I found a church home. I'm very comfortable with where I am right now. Um, And I think that's one part of my identity, like two identities that kind of tear at each other all apart, even though they shouldn't tear at each other all apart. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I guess my story is a little bit shorter, but also I felt like it's, it's an important part of who I am. So even though I was already engaged to a cisgendered straight man, um, I still felt like it was important for me to come out for those around me. Yeah, I think it just also speaks to the diversity of experiences people can have, even in just situations that may not seem too far apart in certain instances, but it can be different for everyone. So I think it's great that people want to speak on that. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you have found a church community where you feel like your identities don't have to be treated separately. <laughs> like you can be mm-hmm. your, your whole self in the church community because that is something that is hard to find, um, especially in North Dakota, in a run mm-hmm. state where these identities aren't um, valued, really. And coming from, I went to a church in Minneapolis when I was at the University of Minnesota that was very outwardly accepting of <laughs> queer, trans, LGBTQ individuals. I mean, we had rainbow shirts that said, God loves everyone, no exceptions. And that was just, (laughs) like, we had the pride flag outside of our church. Like, that was the norm. And so I had had trans friends, gay friends, non-binary friends, that we all just felt comfortable in that church space to now come here, (laughs) where that's just... It's a little harder to find. Yeah. You can find it, but it's just harder to find. And I know... The ELCA Church, um, so Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. Whoa, I hope I got that right. Um, But the ELCA, (laughs) a Lutheran um, denomination of the Lutheran Church, has been pushing this new initiative called RIC. Um, I think it's Reconciliation in Christ. And it's a certification these churches can go through where they are purposefully educating themselves on how to be safe spaces for LGBTQ Mm. plus individuals. And I think there are three. In Fargo, so okay. they are they are getting there. They are getting there, <laughs> and um, you can look up. I've been doing that a lot, like looking up like RIC churches in my area, because although the identity may not affect me, I know that I can't be in a space where I know my friends or some of my family wouldn't be allowed in, and that's not cool. 
Yeah, and on that note of like um, safe spacing and like um, churches, like one thing that like my therapist made me realize is just like I've always been the type of person to create safe spaces and I haven't always had space safe spaces created for me but thankfully because of you Emily and my the friend group here on the podcast and just my friend group not only did like you help me like create a safe space existing in Fargo but you've also all helped me like thinking about religion and because I've had such a complicated experience with all of that for an infinitesimal amount of reasons. So it's, I'm very thankful to have such a, a close knit and helpful and nice friend group, but also like you've all helped me start to enter a very complicated and painful area of my life. And so that's one thing that I'm very grateful that I don't think words could ever really express that. Just to clarify, we did not make you enter a no. painful <laughs> Just like the uh, other time yeah. when you didn't send me to therapy. <laughs> we didn't send him to therapy, guys. Yeah. No, You've helped I, me I had to say that because like, what you were saying was so sweet and so yeah. kind. I thought I was going to cry. Um, yeah. so I was too. I had to make a joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also would like to use humor. Yeah, in my Bible study, actually, recently we were talking about um, where our passions lay in the church, and one of mine that I just kept getting drawn to was LGBTQ plus um, individuals in the church, because I feel like they're often, um, I have to choose kind of how I feel, like, their religion or their identity, and I don't think that's fair, and so Mm -hmm. creating a safe space within churches so um, people can feel comfortable um, coming to church and kind of rebuilding this... um, bridge with religious and religion and spirituality if they so choose to um that they can re-explore it in a safe manner mm-hmm. okay so i kind of alluded to it but coming to north dakota i was very concerned about whether or not i'd have to go back into the closet because like i came from ohio which is red state some of the time um but like the thought of moving to North Dakota, a very red state, was very concerning to me. Thankfully, when my mom and I like moved me out here and we started to explore downtown, we saw that there was a rainbow flag hanging from this really cool, uh, cool-looking waffle restaurant called Black Coffee and Waffle. And so we were like, okay, let's go there to eat. And just being in that environment, knowing that you know there is a rainbow flag hanging, just gave me more comfort knowing that I wouldn't have to go back in the closet, mm-hmm. uh, which was very nice. And then um, a little while later, I went to another restaurant slash bar um, called like Wild Terra. And just the environment is very uh, accepting of LGBTQ plus folks. And so I was just like, okay, there are some safe spaces for me to be here. And then thankfully uh, having friends that could help cultivate a safe space environment um we all could just freely express who we are and just enjoy our identities without fear uh, too much fear of being persecuted so i imagine that was very important and because we all make i think great sacrifices in going to graduate school especially if you're moving to somewhere that's not a familiar area to know that you're welcome i imagine that made a big difference and it's amazing what that especially like the pride flag it symbolizes to me 
that it's a safe space for so much more than just LGBTQ plus individuals because it's the people that are going out of their way to make safe spaces for those individuals are also there for women are also there for minorities for those so it's they're a welcoming community for not just that and so it's to me become a symbol of just a much more just welcoming environment just period yeah. full stop whatever identity except for maybe republican um they probably don't like republicans <laughs> uh, which I think brings to the important point. We talk a lot about red states and blue states, which when you look at a map, there really isn't any any true case where something is like purely a red state because wherever you go, there's going to be pockets of... I know you're laughing over there, Odell, so you're talking <laughs> Texas, but Texas isn't even a true red state because yeah. you can find these major pockets that vote different ways. And so like Fargo, where we are happens to be a relatively liberal area for North Dakota. Um, and so it's it's not, like, North Dakota is a red state, but it's not, like, a true red state because there are different pockets of it. But that doesn't mean at any sort of legal and um, legislative level that they vote like they're not a pure <laughs> red state. Um, we could go through all of the horrendous examples of how people in the community are... Uh, I don't know, ostracized, prohibited, you know, legislated poorly. And we can have all that information on the website, but I, I don't want to harp on it too much because the people that know, know. Um, and the people that don't, I don't know if I want to have a conversation with them anymore. Um, but I did want to bring up that I did look at the human rights campaign. So if you've seen those like equal sign stickers where it's like the yellow equal sign on the blue background. That's yep. the human rights campaign. Um, and they fight for equality of pretty much any group you could think of. It's the human rights campaign. So they're fighting for human rights for whatever group you can think of. And you can look up on their website and see how your representatives vote with them or if they support bills that the human rights campaign supports, if they're supporting various um, motions that um, the human rights campaign would like to see pushed or not pushed through and I come from Minnesota I come from the Twin Cities of Minnesota and I started there and I am represented by two women senators Amy Klobuchar and Tina Smith and I am represented by um, Angie Craig who is a member of the LGBTQ community and she is my representative in the House of Representatives and they vote with the human rights campaign 100% of the time, which I was not surprised by. <laughs> I was not surprised by that whatsoever. Um, and then I'm not a North Dakota voter, but I, my life is in North Dakota right now because of graduate school. And so I looked at North Dakota and uh, it is not that way. And so I think what I have here that the senators voted with the human rights campaign one out of eight times for the positions that the human rights campaign wanted to push through or bills or nominations or whatever. Um, and the House of Representative rep has supported none of the 13 initiatives in the House that the human rights campaign would support. So, well, not surprising. I think it's really important to see those things kind of spelled out in black and white so that we can 
This will be me. My role in the podcast is just to tell everyone to vote. <laughs> you just need to vote. You just need, it's not the end all be all. Obviously, we've been voting, and some things have changed, some things have not. Um, but it is very important because elections are won and lost by fifty votes or less. So, but I'm very proud of Gen Z for this last election because Absolutely. it was the first time that Gen, the that eighteen to twenty eighteen to thirty five year olds range voted the same amount as the 65 plus range this last midterm election which is huge so keep it up because it's important not just lgbtq plus initiatives but you know human rights So on the topic here of just LGBTQ identities, I think something very big, news from the FDA that we're getting pretty recently actually, FDA has proposed easing restrictions on blood donations. Might be asking exactly what those blood donations that they're easing the restrictions on. Most people know if, I would imagine so if it pertains to you, men who have sex with men has been phrased before have been prevented from donating blood with very heavy restrictions. And even for somebody like me, I was very aware of this issue and even a Grey's Anatomy episode. I don't know, Mm -hmm. for fans out there. Mm -hmm. This was something I was brought up, and it really just speaks to how you don't need to really be meshing. This has nothing to do as much with just health. You want to look out for people, and people are willing to donate blood. And these restrictions can just be very discriminatory. So the FDA wants to implement new rules that instead just focus on the behavior that then makes certain blood donations less ideal. Yeah, they're trying to Mm -hmm. avoid high-risk donation situations. Exactly. So they are shifting their attention from not restricting it for gender or sexual identities, but rather the behaviors that would then make these blood donations not ideal yeah, or... just like higher risk. Exactly. So these have just been very stigmatizing behaviors, and I personally am very excited to hear about this, that this is something that is no longer going to interfere with medical procedures and potentially life-saving behaviors that people can contribute to and help, you know, especially because it can make a big difference. So it's good that these restrictions are being reassessed to really contribute to what we know now. It's 2023. We should move away from these stigmatizing activities and look to the final goal of health and helping others. And that should be the goal in most cases. So as of this moment, this is a proposal, so nothing is set in stone. But this is just something to be paying attention to. It could make a big difference. And we will post some resources, some conversations going around the topic. Something that particularly caught my attention. Um, Research has been done on this topic, you know. Researchers here, we always have to <laughs> to the facts. To the literature. Yes, to the literature. I like that. But in one source that I was able to find, they found that approximately over three quarters of men are interested in donating blood despite this, you know, history and very stigmatizing and discriminatory actions of blood donations. But, you know, blood is blood. When you need blood, you're not going to care about anything. So, guys, let's let's hope this goes through. Um. Fingers crossed, hoping for the best, because, again, we go back to our end goal. We just want to help people, and I think it's great that this is something that is getting talked about more, and then we're reassessing this to get to a better 
place in what our practices in general. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's a really important example of a government agency turning around and re-examining a policy that was built on a, a stigma, a, a public fear that was not rooted in science. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So 2023, this, the, press release um, came out January 27th, 2023 from the FDA and um, more news to likely come. So one thing that um, I think about a lot and is kind of the goal of what will end up being my dissertation research is I always come back to this question of like, why do people always like, have to use, like, a few sentences that they, like, latch onto from their high school biology class <laughs> to back up their, like, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic, misogynistic, like, in- insert bad thi- racist <laughs> views. Like, what they always, they love latching onto biology, right? They, like, learn about XX and XY chromosomes, and it's like, that's it. That's all, that, that's all, the, that's all <laughs> that they can think, and so... There, I will link to a lot of studies about, um, there's been a lot of push recently um, to, and not, it's been a while that we've been having this push to get biology classrooms to just be more inclusive and use proper language and correct language and teach more lessons about how gender is not a biological construct, but is actually a social construct and how race is a social construct, not a biological concept. And so I think more pushes like that are coming. I will hopefully be joining the ranks of people using um, education research to make biology classrooms more welcoming for people who have been systemically made to feel like they are unnatural. Um, because I absolutely hate that. Because <laughs> um, it's just it's just not true. It's like, yes, guys, use science to, you know, back up your arguments, but actually use the science <laughs> yeah that's right like science thing, you know the recent updated the science. science exactly yeah and just avoid playing into anyone who tries to use those false dichotomies it's not right. it's not this or that it's not one thing or the other um things are more complicated has anyone ever seen the it's a visual aid it's called like the gender unicorn or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it, like, talks about how all these different things are different. Like, your biological sex is something different than your gender identity, is something different from your sexuality, is something different from all of these things. And so the gender unicorn helps you learn all of those things. (laughs) It's so great. Well, we will also put that on the website, because I think it's a really important resource to just kind of talk about those things because especially I learned about the gender unicorn in my health advocate class which was a lot of biology students a lot of people wanting to go into the medical field which is a very important place for people to be learning about this because they think that they can just turn around and use your discipline to back up their awful views and us biologists are like no thank you (laughs) <laughs> leave leave us out of this one in fact we'll we, we join the other side <laughs> and i think yeah that just really ties why this was such an important topic for us that we felt we needed to discuss because a lot of people use science and use science and um, air quotes here uh to defend these ideas that aren't really can be really outdated or not exactly the case they're just very surface level 
So, and that's something that we have to take into consideration too as science, anybody, scientists in training. (laughs) 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 You know, you gotta know, I feel like especially, I've come across a lot in the psychology domain of when to use gender, when to use sex, because they do refer to separate things and you could be looking at sex. I know Emily and your work, you're particularly interested with sex and predict maybe my work it's more relevant that you know perhaps their gender and you know you really want to know what you're talking about and what is important to what you're looking into because they are not the same thing it has become like my pet peeve when i read papers and in like the table of their demographics they say gender and then they have male and female (laughs) and it's like no <laughs> it's not that like when are we gonna learn that that's those two don't those that that's not aligned that's not aligned if you're gonna if you're gonna report gender make sure you're reporting man woman yeah. non-binary whatever yeah. goes there yeah. male and female is different go back to when i called someone out in class for it yeah <laughs> it's important guys those types of people will tell on themselves by referring to women as females and it always just <laughs> it's always the worst. Maybe we don't boil people down yeah. to their genitalia. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we serve other purposes. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, today. We will provide more resources on our website that include mental health resources for people who, who identify in the LGBTQ plus community, as well as different resources for friends and family and other allies and see where they can also be supportive of the community. Overall, if you take anything from this episode, is to remember to go out and vote. Support those businesses that are creating safe spaces for those people in the community and to continue making a safe environment within your own life so you know that you are a safe person for your own friends and family. See you next time! Bye! Bye. The Scientists in Training podcast is not associated with North Dakota State University. Any opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, are not reflective of the university.